Well, wasn't that just a beautiful song from our team and an amazing painting by Vic, which just sums up so beautifully the Easter story. We've titled our message this morning and we've framed our whole Easter message around these words, the rescue. And we believe it was Easter Sunday that God's rescue plan became evident. And if you don't know what the rescue plan was, let me quickly recap it for you. You see, when God first created humanity, his plan was never that death would be a part of it. His plan was always that humanity would walk in eternity with God. But from some bad mistakes that our ancestors made, and I think still if we know ourselves well enough to admit it, we still make sins and mistakes today, it cut off that rescue plan from God. His original plan of walking with us for eternity, there was a void in it. And Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of those mistakes, or a Christian word we use is, the wages of sins is death, and death entered the world. And of course, God's original plan now is disrupted and he had to institute this rescue plan. God had to enter death. But of course, God being God can't die. So he put his plan into formation and his plan, of course, was his son, Jesus Christ. If you don't know the rescue plan very well, don't worry because it's summed up perfectly in one verse. John 3.16. Some would say it's the most famous verse in the Bible. And it says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever should believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And of course, now we fast forward from creation where God first walks with humanity in person to Jesus coming to earth. And for three years, Jesus walks around the Middle East and miracles are happening. And I'm not just talking about little miracles. I'm talking about blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, dead people being raised back to life, taking bread and fish, just a small meagre amount and feeding 5,000 people. When Jesus entered a town or a village or a room, you knew about it. And quite quickly, Jesus became famous. He didn't want to spread his fame, but anywhere he went, crowds followed him. And he had this ragtag group of disciples who followed him and began to learn about him and around him. It started with 12 and it quickly numbered in the thousands. But of course, the religious leaders at the time, they started to lose their press because everyone now wanted to follow this new rabbi, this new teacher, Jesus, who some said was the Messiah, was God's son himself. Of course, with hindsight, we know that was true. But fast forward now again to Good Friday and Jesus, just seven days before entering Jerusalem, was welcomed as a celebrity. People shouting Hosanna and screaming his name, I'm sure asking for autographs, trying to get a touch of his cloak. Now the crowds are scattered because Jesus has been arrested, trumped up on false charges. He had been battered and bruised. He had been mocked and shamed. His disciples who clamoured after him, the thousands, the throngs who just had to be near him dissipated. There was a metaphorical tumbleweed. As Jesus was led out of his prison cell, strapped to a cross, walked up to a place called Golgotha, nailed to a cross and he died. Now, for all intents and purposes, the rescue plan looked like it had fallen flat on its face. And I believe if we could see in the spiritual realm at that moment, the enemy, the devil, the demons would be cheering because it looked like the plan that God had installed had failed. But what they didn't know is this was all part of God's plan. 
It looked on the face of it like it had ended, like Jesus was finished. And I can imagine his disciples, those who'd left everything and gave everything to follow Jesus, they were now crowded in a room thinking, what on earth do we do next? Tears streamed down their faces. They looked at each other. They had left family and businesses. They had left futures. Some had probably dropped out of university and left careers to follow this man who said, come follow me. And now he was gone. Good Friday was followed by what I want to call Silent Saturday. And it found the disciples still in this pit of self-pity, still in this pit of not knowing what's next, still in this place of absolute hopelessness. And I think as we look back on the past 12 months that we have lived through, maybe some of us can align ourselves with that. Maybe some of us watching have lost loved ones. Maybe some of us have been put on furlough and our jobs have been lost. Maybe we find ourselves in a place of weeping and of sorrow in a silent metaphorical Saturday where it just seems like there's no hope left. And as Saturday turned into Sunday, the plan was still in full swing. Actually, it was Sunday that the plan was revealed. And we saw a little snippet of that in the fantastic drama by our team. But I want to pose that as the sun rose on Resurrection Sunday, literally in the sky, but also literally from the tomb, as Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples were still in a silent Saturday mentality. They were still in the place of hopelessness. They didn't know behind the scenes that Jesus had come back just like he said. And you know what? Although that happened over 2,000 years ago, I believe some of us, even some of us who would profess ourselves as Christians and as followers of Jesus, can still find ourselves living in a silent Saturday mentality. So we just want to, for the next 15 or 20 minutes, talk about how we can live in the rescued reality. Because as soon as the disciples found out that Jesus did what he said he was going to do and he came back from the grave and he walked again in a resurrected state, no longer were they living in hopelessness. All the dreams they thought had dissipated were reignited and resurrected in a moment. So I'm going to hand over to Becky. We're going to jump into Luke chapter 24 and we're going to talk about some practical ways we today, whether we are followers of Jesus yet or not, can live in the rescue reality that Jesus gave his life. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke 24. The scriptures are going to come up on the screen in just a moment. But here we find the followers of Jesus waking up on this rescued Sunday. We call it Resurrected Sunday. However, the problem was they were still stuck in a defeated mentality. And so we pick up on verse 1 and it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, say stop there, because some of us are still waking up in the morning and the defeat starts there. Before our feet have hit the floor and we wake up defeated, though as Christians, we're supposed to be walking in the reality of being rescued. So the women, they took their spices that they had prepared and went to the tomb. Here's another thing that we do. Some of us, we are preparing for the worst. That morning, the women have prepared to go and handle a dead body. Sometimes we are preparing for the worst instead of preparing for the best. And then at verse 2, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Verse six says this, he is not here. 
He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified and on the third day be raised again. Then, verse 8, underline this, then they remembered his words. The first thing that we need to do if we are going to live in the rescued reality is this. We have to remember his words words. How did Jesus' followers forget his words? He had just he had just sort of like mapped the whole rescue plan out for them. He even broke it down to what day, when would happen. He said on the third day I would rise again, yet they still forgot. Jesus' followers had followed him and walked with him for the last three years and heard from the rescuer's own lips what was going to happen. They had been clinging on to prophecies that had been prophesied for thousands of years that had said and put before them and showed them what it would look like in this rescue plan yet still they were waking up on resurrected Sunday still living defeated and not living and walking in the reality of the rescue plan why did Jesus followers forget his words well it's the same reason why still today his followers forget his words we just forget we don't remember and here's the reason why we sometimes don't remember the word of God to our own lives still today Because there is a spiritual battle going on. There is a war that has been waged on our memory. The enemy would love nothing more than for us to remember everything but what Jesus has said to us. Have you ever wondered why we can retain so much pointless information, but somehow we just manage to forget what Jesus has said to us? Have you ever wondered why we can recall every single detail of the drama that happened to sister or brother so-and-so and what she said and what he said, however, somehow we can just let it fall out of our mind what Jesus said about that situation, what Jesus said to us. Have you ever wondered why we can retain the information of things we watch play out on TV? We can pick up lots of different books, but somehow still forget to pick up our daily devotional. Have you ever wondered why you keep bringing to memory all of the negative things, yet somehow the positive things just go by the wayside? Because the enemy has been playing at this game since the beginning of time in the garden when he went to the woman and he said, but did Jesus really say that? See, he would love you, I'll say it again, he would love you to remember everything but the word of Jesus. And so we have to be on our guard, we have to be on form, and we have to intentionally remember the word of God. The Bible is the only book that can confront head on the enemy, and he knows it. He knows that man cannot live alone on bread, but every word that comes out of the mouth of Jesus. And so here's some practical ways that we can remember his word we need to get our spiritual post-it notes out or even practical post-it notes in Deuteronomy it talks about how we've got to put his words on our heart even put them on our forehead if we must around our arms put them in our door frames on our window and you know in our house At the top of our stairs, we have framed the words, for his word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, so that as my kids are running up and down the steps, as we take every step into our day, we're remembering his word, remembering our words. You can go online anywhere and put the transcript that you want to be delivered so you can put up around your house the word of God. There are so many things we can do, keeping an alarm on our phone to keep remembering intentionally to have the word of God in our minds. You know, coming to church on a Sunday or Tuesday, 
tuning into church on a Sunday is like a spiritual post-it note to help us remember the word of God. And I, I just want to hit this nail on the head right away. If you're thinking that because of the pandemic, we've now realized that we can do church differently, that I can actually be Christian, I can remember God's word without going to church. No, 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 that's a load of rubbish. But what the pandemic has helped us understand is that even if for some reason one Sunday we cannot physically possibly get to church, we can still connect in with the people of God. We can still connect in with our church. And so I want to say to you, do not be tempted to put away the post-it note or the thing in the diary that says, I I go to church every Sunday. I tune into church every Sunday. I want to say to you, when you get invited to come back through these doors in this house, be ready and raring to go because this is a spiritual post-it note that the enemy would love to just fly off your wall. And I want to say to you, if you are listening today and you think, well, actually, I can't remember any of God's words because I've never read God's word. I want to say this to you. God is always speaking And there might have been a time, maybe it was years ago, where you felt God speak to you and you couldn't deny it at the time. But somehow, over time, you've pushed it aside. You've let it just slip from your memory. And I ask right now, as I'm speaking, that the Holy Spirit will bring back to mind the dream that God put in your mind, the words that Jesus said to you, and that you would today, it would be a really good day for you to re-remember what Jesus said to you. So if we're going to walk in the the life where we remember to walk in the reality of being rescued, we must remember his words. You know, it's interesting that Mary, it wasn't at seeing Jesus that she remembered. It was at his word she remembered. Mike's going to take us back into the next part of the story. If you've still got your finger in Luke 24, we're going to pick up exactly where we left off in verse 9. It says this. It says, when the women came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 and to all the others. And I can imagine them being breathless with excitement. We've just seen two angels who told us that Jesus did what he said he was going to do. Do you remember what he said? Verse 10, and it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told them the, uh, told this to the apostles. Verse 11, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. And there's two things here I think are really, really important for us as Jesus followers today, 2,000 plus years later, we need to take from this scripture. We need to, if we're going to live in this rescued reality, remove our prejudices and our paradigms, our prejudices and our paradigms. And let me explain what I mean by that. The apostles, of course, lived in a culture 2,000 years ago. And in the culture that they lived, women were very much seen as second-class citizens. And still today, in parts of our world, this is still true. And it baffles me that these men who had walked with Jesus, as I said, for three years and had seen amazing miracles and literally listened to Jesus say, I am going to die and raise again and bring new life. When the women came into the room, the first thing they did was write it off as rubbish. And it got me to thinking as I'm reading this, I wonder if Peter had run in the room and said, guess what, guys? I've just seen two angels and Jesus is back. Would they have had the same reaction? Of course, I'm taking preacher's liberty here a little bit, but I don't think so. And I want to tell you, wherever you are today, wherever you're watching from, however perfect you think you are, all of us in some form have unconscious biases in our life. 
And that might not be against women, it might not be against different cultures or races, but all of us have prejudices in our lives that frame the reality that we live. And all of us have paradigms. By that I mean we like to do things in a certain way. We've been brought up in cultures, we've been brought up in families that told us that this is the way to do something. So the first thing they say is they didn't believe the women what they said. The second thing they said, well, it seemed to them like nonsense. Again, these were the people who walked with Jesus, but they couldn't fit in their mind that Jesus could do something with, uh, with him being dead. The prejudice frames something, the paradigms frame something that wasn't true. And I want to tell you, church, that our prejudices and our paradigms can minimise our experiences of living in the rescued reality. If you think God can only work through certain people, then what you are being like is a Pharisee. Of course, these were religious leaders who for generations, for years and years, had been waiting for this hotly anticipated Messiah. But because Jesus didn't look like what they thought, they wrote him off. We need to make sure we are not trying to box God into the things we understand. And I have to check myself on this. I've been a pastor now 10 years. But maybe as I'm walking around the street and I see someone who is homeless and they say something to me, do I unconsciously put them on the same level as my boss would or or as I would put my father? I believe God can and will use anyone. And if the scripture shows us anything, it's that God can and use anyone. And thank goodness for that, because it means God can use me and God can use you too. God went so far in the scripture of using a donkey. So if he can use a donkey, I believe he can use any of us. We need not let our prejudices and our paradigms frame our experience. What we need to let frame our experience is Jesus himself. And what I find really interesting is the next verse. Look at this in verse 12. Peter, however, at the words of the women, got up and what did he do? He ran to the tomb. And we saw in the video directly preceding this message of Peter walking on the water. And I imagine as Mary and Mary and Joanna walked into the room that Peter had a flashback to walking on the water because again, we see exactly the same scene played out. The disciples see something they don't understand. They see someone walking on the water. They don't believe it's Jesus in the first instance. They think it's a ghost. But as soon as Jesus makes himself known, all the other all the other 11 disciples sit back and are awed by it but one disciple stands up and says Jesus if it is really you call me out on the water Jesus saw an opportunity that didn't fit his paradigm but looking at Jesus he walked in a new experience and we saw again in that video as soon as he took his eyes off Jesus that's when he began to sank so church remember that God's plan is for anyone for everyone everywhere It might not fit what you understand to be true, but that doesn't mean God can't do it. When the next time you are presented with an opportunity or you're entering into a conversation of someone that you may perceive even unconsciously as less than, know that God can use them as much as God can use you too. Let's go back to the story. In the rescued reality, we've got to first remember his word and secondly, we've got to remove our prejudices and our paradigms. And number three, let's find out number three. Let's go back to the story where we find Jesus' followers on the road to Emmaus. And it says this, if it comes up, we find two of the guys 
plodding away. It was the same day as well um, that they found this and they were talking away and little did they realise when Jesus came up before them. On verse 14, it says, they were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Does this remind you of any of your circumstances where you talk about everything that had just happened in complete detail? And as they were talking and discussing these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked alongside with them, but they were kept from recognising him. Isn't it amazing how you can be kept from recognising the Lord because you can be so consumed with what's going on? And number 17, he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. Number three, if we're going to live in a rescued reality, we have to release our woes. See, they were so consumed and caught up in the woe of what had happened on Good Friday, the crucifixion, that they got so stuck in Silent Saturday that they then walked bound up into Rescued Sunday. I know there is so much pain in our world. There's so much suffering. We say, hey, death, where is your sting, our resurrected King? But you know, some of you watching and some of you right here in the room right now, might be thinking, well, I know that sting. That sting, I feel it right now because you are going through some stuff. You are going through some woes. And you know, I'm not saying at all in any way that you can't talk about your woes. You can't talk about your problem. That's not what I'm saying. Because Jesus, when he came back, he had the scars in his hands. He couldn't remove it. You see, we talked about removing prejudice. We've got to cut it out. It's quite a forceful word, but we don't say remove woes. I'm saying release the woes because Jesus couldn't just erase the fact that he'd been crucified. Can't just erase your problem. You can't just erase the mistakes, but we can release them. And I want to encourage us to talk about our woes in order to release them, not to relive them. You see what happens when we don't release our woes to the King. We start going round like the, the followers did on the road to Emmaus, just talking and rehashing it and reliving it and just circulating and circulating the woe and the problem. And what began to happen is they were so consumed that they then found themselves contained. And we can find ourselves, even as believers, contained by our woes. And then what sometimes happens, Jesus sends us people to come and help release us from the circumstance, try and get us out of the circumstance. And what we can end up doing is just casting them aside or worse carrying them with us it can get contagious and we can start making them circulate the woes with us and taking people with us in the woe and then what can happen is Jesus and the whole of heaven I think as they look at us circling I can see Jesus saying why are you letting this cripple you what I took to crucify on that cross with me all those centuries ago and so we can be stopped from living in our rescue because of the woe and I want to I want to offer us this opportunity today to release the woes and you know what happened next as they were walking and as they came to the end of their journey they pleaded with Jesus to stay with them because the scripture says that something was burning on the inside of us you know, they couldn't see Jesus, but they could feel Him. And sometimes when you are in the thick of pain or you are in the thick of a mistake that you have made and the woe is so heavy, it can be the times that Jesus is the closest to you 
and you can feel it. And he sat at their table that evening. And it was as they broke bread, as Jesus broke the bread and he thanked the Lord that they realised and they recognised who he was. You know, one of the easiest ways to release your woes is to recognise your blessings, is to recognise the praise. And in that moment, as Jesus broke the bread, they exchanged their woe for a wow. It's Jesus in the room. And Mike's going to finish up for us on that note. I love that. I think we can so easily get caught in our past mistakes. And you know, our mistakes should never define us. They should only remind us. They need to remind us from where we were, but never define where we're going. And I love that sentiment of the woes turning into a wow. And what happened in that moment, as their woes turned into a wow, the destination they were going in their misery and in their grief suddenly didn't matter anymore. They were going to Emmaus, they were walking for seven or so miles to Emmaus in their woes and reliving all the hurt and the pain that they had experienced. But as soon as Jesus turned up and they had that revelation moment of who was in the room, what they did is they got up, they turned around and they ran back to Jerusalem. And maybe some of us are living in those woe moments now. And when you can get just that small revelation, that wow moment of Jesus being in your midst, it will change the destination of where you're walking. No matter will Emmaus matter, you'll go straight back to where Jesus called you, to Jerusalem. And, and these two followers of Jesus, they rushed just like the women into the room where the disciples were huddled. And they said this, Luke 24, verse 35 to 36. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognised by them when he broke the bread. And look at this, verse 36. While they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And they were so startled and frightened. Again, they thought Jesus was a ghost. The lesson for us here is we need to recognise his presence. We need to recognise who is in the room. They were so caught up in the midst of the, of the excitement of a second account confirming Jesus was risen. They didn't realise that Jesus was stood in there. It doesn't say Jesus walked in and said, peace be with you. It said Jesus was already standing there in their midst. And I wonder how many times in our families, in our friendship groups, even in our church services, we are so busy talking about Jesus that we miss that Jesus is already here. You see, we can be so busy talking about Jesus, we can miss a new experience with Jesus. And I think this is the capital way that churches die. They get so busy talking about the things they should be doing or about the things that have happened or about the things that are happening outside their vision. They miss that Jesus is in the room saying, hello, I'm here. And again, I think of that verse in Revelation 3.20, we always quote as a new believers verse, but it's actually Jesus talking to a church. He says, guys, I am standing at the door and I am knocking, let me in. And they don't hear him. Why? Because they're so busy in their holy huddles. They're so busy in their gossip. They're so busy in their programmes and their situations and in their amazing worship sets. They miss that Jesus is already there calling them into a new thing. Look at this, a few verses later, Luke 24, 44 to 45. Jesus said to them, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Again, reinforcing point one, remember his words. I told you this, how did you miss it? Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets and the Psalms. Verse 45, and then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. You see, when we get consumed with his presence with us and not just talking about it, we get new revelation in 
old things. They were not unfamiliar with the Scripture, these boys. Jewish boys were brought up from the day they could talk, learning the Torah, learning the law, learning the Word of God. And for so long, I believe, they'd read these same Scriptures. But it says in this instance, as they've grown up, they've been walking for Jesus for three years. He died, he'd resurrected again. But again, he opens their minds in Revelation. When you get comfortable with the presence of Jesus in your situation, he will always bring revelation. He'll bring revelation not only to new things, but he'll resurrect old things. He will show you things you've maybe walked in for years and you never realised. And that is the beauty of the presence of Jesus. He is the God of resurrection. He is the God of revival. What does resurrection mean? It means bringing dead things back to life. And maybe some of us need resurrection today. And I want to implore you, don't be so busy talking about something and miss a new experience with Jesus. Don't talk about the glory days. I remember 20 years ago in this church or that church or during that worship song where Jesus really moved. Hey, Jesus is in the room now. We need to get familiar and not Uh, get bypassed or sidetracked and talk about Jesus like he's not in the room. I believe Jesus is in this room and I believe Jesus is in your kitchen or your lounge or your office or wherever you are watching from today. I believe Jesus is in the room. So let's get familiar talking about him like he is here and he's wanting to do a new thing and not just talking about what he could be doing somewhere else. We've tried to be conscious this morning. We wanted to be really conscious that We don't talk about Jesus like he's not in this room. You see, the presence of Jesus is in this church. And like Michael just said, the presence of Jesus is right there in your home. And the presence of Jesus speaks way more than anything we could have said in these last few moments. And so our fourth point was this, that if we want to live in a rescued reality, we've got to recognise the presence. And for some of you right now, it may have been a long time since you gave recognition to your rescuer. For some of you, you may not actually even recognise the need for a rescuer. And so we're going to pray today for all those who recognize right now the presence of God, the presence of Jesus in the room. You know, when the presence of Jesus is here, you realize the reason, even though you might not understand the reason. You realize that there's some stuff that you want to run from. You realize there's some stuff that you want to repent from when his presence is in the room. And you recognize that you want to reach out and receive the rescuer for yourself. You see, Jesus wants to have his presence up close and personal in your heart. And so we're going to give you an opportunity to respond right now. Michael's going to pray a prayer. And just before he does that, I want to remind us of a little parable that Jesus spoke about. It's called the parable of the lost sheep. And in this story, Jesus represents the shepherd and he had a hundred sheep. Yeah, he only counted 99 back home into the pen. And you think, oh, I've got 99. I don't need that last one. But he did. So the good shepherd, he went out 
and he fought all the branches and he climbed up those hills and he kicked down doors if he needed to to find and rescue the one. And when he found that sheep, he put it on the back of his shoulders and took it home. He carried it home. And I want to tell you something loud and clear. We talk about Jesus coming to save the world, but he also came to save the one. Even if you were the only one that was in existence today, he would have still got down from heaven and taken that cross just for you. When he was on that cross, he saw you. And this story was being relayed in my little boy's school. And what they did was they put out some objects. They put a cross out, a sheep and some coins and some Easter eggs. And they were supposed to point to the one that was the most important at Easter. And my little boy, he said at Easter, the sheep are the most important. And his teacher emailed me about it. And I went, you know what? He's right. Because we often believe the cross is most important, which it is. But there would have been no reason for the cross if it wasn't for the sheep. Jesus took the cross for the sheep. And so if you know you need to respond, your heart might be pounding, then you need to pray this prayer with Mike today. Yeah, you know, the sheep doesn't make sense, does it, leaving the one for the 99 until the sheep is you. And I think we have all at some point, those who'd confess to be followers of Jesus, we would recognise the significance of the one. And maybe you've known Jesus uh, before, but you just need a resurrection in your life. So I'm firstly going to pray for you. Maybe you've made a commitment to Jesus before and you just feel like you need resuscitate. You need a bit of a revival. You need a resurrection. Well, let me tell you, Resurrection Sunday is a perfect day for that. So let me pray for you first. Pray after me if this is you. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came to rescue us. I thank you that you came for my mistakes. And I thank you for the opportunity of living in a rescued reality. I confess that I need a saviour. And I believe that you are my saviour. Resurrect that life you put in me however long ago. And bring me back into the sheepfold and into your kingdom. Amen. Amen. And maybe you've never prayed a prayer like that. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, there's something within me that wants to pray this, but I just don't know. I don't have all the answers. There's still a lot of questions. What I want to tell you, 20 odd years into my journey of faith now, 10 years as a pastor, we all still have questions, but the questions can be answered as you walk through your journey of faith. That is absolutely fine. Do not miss this opportunity today on Resurrection Sunday to pray this prayer. If something has just stirred within you, maybe through a worship song or one of the set pieces, maybe through the drama, maybe through the word. If you feel like you recognise your need for a saviour, I'd love you to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I don't have it all together. I may be not be sure of all the answers, but I pray right now, Jesus, that you would just take my hand and that you would bring me into the pasture of the rescued. I pray right now, Lord, that you forgive me of any mistakes that I made and I put my life in your hands and confess you as Saviour. Amen. Amen. And I want to tell you, if you prayed that prayer, I'm always getting a little bit choked up as I remember the first time I prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer this morning, please do not leave the chat or the building if you're here without letting someone know. You can press the little prayer button if you're watching on church online or if you're on Facebook, just put a little comment in the chat thread or on YouTube. We would love to tell you about the Saviour that we have come to know so well in our own lives that has helped us live in this rescued reality. And as we close out this service, we're going to be 
be back in just a moment, but we're going to go out with a celebration song called yeah. Alive and we're going to party. Yeah, because there is a party going on in heaven. You know, it's no small thing what you just prayed. You may have prayed it out loud or in your heart. You might be thinking, actually, I should have prayed it. Then that's okay. You can be included. But there is a celebration going off. We're about to play a celebration song called Alive. And we don't want you to go anywhere, especially if you prayed that prayer. Hang on, listen to this song because I'm going to come back and I'm going to tell you what's next for you. Okay, let's go. Wasn't that just brilliant from our youth band? And as we said, it's a celebration yes. song. So I believe if you prayed that prayer, whether it was a recommitment, we would call it, or maybe you prayed that prayer for the first time, that was yeah. a, a celebration time in heaven. We really believe that. Yeah, now you might still have lots of questions. And you know what? That is normal. And we hope that you have questions. We've been pastors for a number of years now, been Christians for even longer, and we still have questions. And so if you have got questions, maybe you've been doing this journey for a long time, maybe you are brand new, then we've got something for you that we'd love you to come and join us on. And it is called the Alpha Course. Yeah, and Alpha Course has been something that has been running for many years in different churches, in different movements for a long, long time time and for the first time ever LCF we're going to be running an online alpha course primarily for those exploring faith or brand new to faith this will kick off on Wednesday the 21st of April so just a few weeks away and it is really really easy to sign up all you need to do is go to www.lcf.biz that's b-i-z forward slash alpha a-l-p-h-a put your details in there and that'll send straight to our team and we'll be in touch really really soon and you know what you might be someone i thinking actually I'm not sure still I don't know why I'm listening or I, I know I'm listening I've been forced to listen but I still don't get it all then you know what it's, it's still for you to explore and we'd love you to still come along and listen if you've still got questions you're just not sure about Jesus or sure about anything we've been saying then this is the forum for you to explore no questions can offend us isn't that right no Absolutely. questions will offend us you can come and just ask and you know what if you go away and go actually this is just cement about what I think or what I feel then that's fine as well but otherwise this is Easter day and everyone is invited to celebrate we're celebrating our risen king we hope you enjoy your time together is any last words that you want to say no just we're really really looking forward to seeing more of you in person yeah. back in our building and of course welcoming more and more of you online to join LCF as we make Jesus known in our town and beyond online as well yeah before we go let's listen let's hear from all the people that are in our building right now if you could just put your hands together for the people that are online at home they're clapping louder than what they are in the room and you can stamp your feet as well and you know, we celebrate you we love you and we can't wait to be with you happy easter from lcf have a great rest of your week church